I want to center around this idea of thankfulness and gratitude today. If you're taking notes, the title of my message is Got Gratitude? Question mark. Got Gratitude. Look at your neighbor and say, you got gratitude? Are you thankful to be sitting next to the people you're, you're sitting next to? Hopefully you are. If you are, give them a high five real quick and say, I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for you. Over at Boynton Church at home, hopefully you like who you're sitting next to. It'd be awkward if not, okay? It's going to be a long service if not. I'm just kidding. No one wants a, long, a long-winded preacher after the Thanksgiving message. Belt buckles are real tight right now, right? The, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Man, I, I want to center around this idea of, of gratefulness and gratitude because I, I got to go up to Georgia. We've got some family up in Georgia still, uh, so we got to leave. We got in, into the 30s up in Georgia. We felt cold for a minute, which was cool for like, 10 seconds, and then I was like, no, I miss Florida. This is, <laughs> where we live is the promised land, by the way. It is great. I'm from upstate New York originally. It is the promised land for every New Yorker. We want to be here, okay? We all dream about dying in Florida. It's weird, so I'm, I'm thankful to be back. But we got to go up to Georgia, had a great time with family. And here's the thought. I was sitting around the dinner table. You know, we had prepared it. Uh, we, we had just just packed on the food onto the table. Uh, my my brother-in-law has three kids. My sister-in-laws both have three each, and we have four. That's 13 kids in this house. With neighbor kids, we had like 20 kids in the house at all times. A lot of children. There was a lot of food. There was a lot of action and fun. We had a lot of adventure. I helped build the kids a tree house. Like we had a blast. And as I sat down at the table and I looked around, here's the thought that I had. Man, we have a lot. Did anyone have that moment that you sat at the table and you looked around and you're like, man, we have a lot. We have a lot. But the Lord in his kindness, I feel like he finished that sentence for me in such a kind way. And he whispered in my ear in that moment, he said, Josh, we have a lot to be thankful and grateful for. Not just we have a lot, right? We have a lot to be thankful and grateful for. But how many of you know that you can actually miss those gifts and blessings around you if you don't pair that moment of joy for the things that you have with a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving? You can actually miss the gifts. You can be surrounded by God's gifts and blessings but they will not bring you joy unless you pair those things with a heart of gratitude. Did you find that to be true? And I could probably prove the point to you or in the room or over at Boy in our church at home. You might have had a moment where you let ingratitude slip in and you were surrounded by abundance and you didn't enjoy it. Why? Because it wasn't paired with a heart of gratitude or thanksgiving. It reminds me of this story, right? That this story, remember the, the feeding of the 5,000? Uh, I love this story. If you, if you haven't been around church or you don't really know the story or are unfamiliar with it, I'll just catch you up really quickly. Jesus is in the middle of his ministry. He's really gaining some steam uh, in his public ministry. He begins preaching to crowds, teaching to crowds. Things are going amazing. Thousands of people in this day show up to a hillside to hear him preach. And Jesus is a little bit long-winded this day, okay? No one loves a long-winded preacher, right? No one complains when the sermon's short. Everyone's complaining when the sermon's a bit long, all right? Jesus is, is going on. He's, he's talking quite a bit. It's getting a little dark in the evening. People are getting hungry, and they're kind of grumbling a little bit, and the disciples kind of read the moment, and they're like, hey, Jesus, send all of these people away. And Jesus looks at the boys, and he says something interesting. He says, why don't you guys feed them? <laughs> they're like, I don't know if you know this, but like, 
we didn't bring enough for 5,000. Now there's only 5,000 men. They actually, scholars believe that there was probably close to 10 to 12,000 people present because of women and children that were present. Jesus was inclusive of all of these people. He was breaking down barriers and walls. Women could sit there, children could sit there, men could sit there. Jesus welcomed all of them. So about 10 to 12,000 people, imagine this just stadium seating right on a hillside. The disciples look out and they're like, dude, we're, we're kind of broke, Jesus. This whole following you thing hasn't paid very well. We don't have a ton of cash in the bank. We didn't buy enough for all these people. But Jesus is like, no, you can feed them. So they're like, uh, okay. So they go into the crowd and they find this sweet little boy. And I've made this joke before, but he essentially has a Lunchable, a Jewish Lunchable at that day. He's got five loaves and two fish. And I can't imagine the moment that the disciples walk up to Jesus and they're like, all right, here's what we found, all right? I know that there's probably 10, 12,000 plus people. We got five loaves and two fish. Now, if you know anything about numbers in the Bible, I think it's interesting that it's five and two. That's the number seven, which is typically the number of completion. Here's what Jesus is showing us in this moment. Let's, let's pick up in the story. He says, bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down under the grass. I love this. He has everyone sit down so they can watch what happens. Taking five loaves and two fish, seven, it's enough. The number of completion, it's enough for what's about to happen. And what I love, it says, and looking not at the fish and loaves, but looking up to heaven, Jesus just begins to thank God for the five loaves and the two fish. Just thanks God. Father, thank you for these, <laughs> this Lunchable here I've got. Thank you for the five loaves, the two fish. Thank you for the, the meal before me. What's interesting, the disciples, when they brought the meal to him, they said, Jesus, we only have this. this is the, we just got this little bit. They have, a, they have a scarcity, kind of lack mentality. It's only this little bit that we found. Jesus goes, perfect, five and two. I can work with that. And he thanks God. <laughs> And then it says he broke it, gave it to the disciples first to start distributing, and every single person in that crowd was fed to the point where they have extra, and they collect 12 baskets full. How many disciples were there? 12. That little bit fed a multitude of people. I heard a, a preacher recently say this. I love this, that, that thankful or grateful people, they don't have everything in the world, but they make the most of everything that they have. They realize that they don't have everything in the world, but they make the most of what they have. And Jesus is such a beautiful example of this in this moment, saying they, the, the, the disciples were like, hey, we only have this. This is it. This is all we came up with. Not nearly enough. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's enough in my hands. And I, and I want to look up to heaven. I'm not going to look at the, the scarcity. I'm going to look up to heaven because I know if I'm thankful, I can break this thing and it can multiply and bless thousands around me. Grateful and thankful people don't have everything in the world, but they make the most of what they have. And as we came upon the holiday season, I thought about this too, man. Thanksgiving, such an amazing day. But you know what kind of ticks me off, if we're just going to be honest with you? The placement of Black Friday. Does anyone, does this drive anybody nuts? Here, here's why it drives me crazy. We've just gotten through a day, a national holiday. The whole nation pauses and, and begins, you know, tries to be thankful and grateful for the things that we have. 
Literally, the very next day, we are bombarded with advertisements and, and people in our faces and Facebook ads and Instagram ads telling us, no, 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 what you have is actually not enough. You need more and more and more and more. The day after, it kind of ticked me off this year. Me and my wife have never been uh, into like Black Friday. We never go out on it. We're, it's just a, an absolute ruckus. Does anyone like stay in and try to like lock their door and just stay? Yeah, yeah, we're those people. But we had friends up in Georgia. We hadn't seen them in about a year or so and they wanted to get together and meet up. So we were like, man, we, we've missed them. They've got a couple of kids. Our kids have stayed in contact with them from being in Florida and Georgia. But they wanted to meet up on Black Friday. I'm like, all right, well, let's just go to a restaurant and then kind of get out of the madness. Not two minutes after we got out of the car in this little parking lot of this shopping center and there was a great little Mexican restaurant we ate at. We were so fired up to, to have some good food with them. Two minutes after we get out of the car, there's literally two grown men in their 60s ready to fist fight each other over a parking spot. I kid you not. I could not make it up. I mean, they're screaming profanities, like in Southern accents, by the way, which I just thought was funny. Like it's just, curse words sound a lot less bad when they're in like a kind Southern syrupy accent. It sounded kind of like they were blessing each other, but they weren't, you know what I'm saying? Or that, it was weird. And I remember my kids kind of looking at it and me and my buddy Philip looked at it and Philip interrupts the thing. He goes, hey, happy Thanksgiving. Like gives him like the thumbs up. Isn't it interesting though? The day after we're supposed to be thankful and grateful, we're bombarded with messages that what you have is actually not enough. You need more and more and more and more. So the question remains, you got gratitude. Do you have gratitude? Are you thankful? Meister Eckhart, he was a Catholic theologian. He said this, he's quoted. He said, if the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it would be enough. If the only prayer that you could ever squeak out in your life and, and repeat over and over again is thank you, it would be enough. I love Shakespeare actually is quoted saying this. He said, oh Lord, that lends me life. Lend me a heart that's replete with thankfulness. And you're like, Josh, what does replete mean? Yeah, you're right. I had to look it up too, okay? Don't feel like a dummy in the room. I had to look that up. Replete. What does that mean? Good old Shakespeare. It meant filled or well supplied with something very full of. Shakespeare says, Lord, that lends me life. Would you lend me a heart that is absolutely full, overflowing, just satiated with, with thankfulness? and gratitude. And I would say all of us today in the room or joining us at Church at Home or over at Boy, we wanna be thankful and grateful people. But here's the problem. Our hearts can't be replete or they cannot be filled to the brim with gratitude when that real estate has been taken up by ingratitude or resentment or bitterness or frustration or maybe the lack mentality that we may have. Some of us may have had a hard time being thankful and grateful this past season because that real estate in your heart has already been taken up by ingratitude. So maybe this holiday season, for some of you, spring cleaning would come a little bit early and you could begin to clear out the clutter of your heart of ingratitude and resentment and bitterness and make some room for gratitude. Maybe that. Space is just so cluttered that you couldn't pray what Shakespeare prayed. That there's not enough room in there for gratitude to take hold of. 
Here's what's crazy too. We've learned this to be so true through 2020 and 2021. We've, we've dove into mental health and just the, the physical effects of, of the things that we think and believe. Here's what I found to be so interesting. When we began to study about gratitude and thankfulness, it has benefits well beyond spiritual benefits like physical, psychological, emotional, relational benefits to be thankful and grateful. Some of the research that I did talked about actual psychological health, the gratitude, that, that, those thoughts of gratitude, they actually reduce a multitude in this, in this study, a toxic emotions, a multitude of them. Some of the research confirmed that the gratitude will actually inf- effectively increase levels of happiness and joy and contentment in people's lives. When we stop and pause, and you're like, yeah, Josh, that makes sense. But how many of you were like, man, I'd like some maybe some better health in my life, better sleep. There's actually a study that talked about our sleep, that thankful and grateful people sleep longer and better than those that are not. That there's a study that shows that if you were to just stop at the end of your day and count your blessings, they talked about journaling down your blessings, kind of labeling those things, naming those things. It actually would improve your sleep, improve your rest. How many of you could use some rest? You've been going, going, going for so long. But when you lay your head on the pillow at night, this and this don't rest. Maybe try gratitude. Gratitude also increases our, our mental strength. I love this. I read a, a study on this about people who have experienced trauma or have, or have PTSD. Uh, researchers have found that if they can focus them on gratitude and thankfulness, that they can, even in the worst moments of their lives, if they can bring them back to a place of gratitude and thankfulness, even if it's like, man, today you've got your, your breath still, you've got your life. God's not done with you. You still have, he still has a plan for you. There's breath in your lungs. You've got another day. If you're not dead, God's not done. We've sang that before, amen? If we can focus in on that, those people in the study, they have fostered mental resilience due to that. Mental resilience, a mental toughness. Some of us have lost a little bit of that over these years. Could I submit to you, maybe it's because we've allowed ingratitude to slip in. So we've just had the national holiday of Thanksgiving, right? And here's my question to you or over at Boy in our church at home. Maybe you can evaluate really quickly. How did you do? How, how did you do? I've asked this question before to our church, but how did you do with thankfulness and gratitude? How do we do? Here's the fear that I have. Maybe some of us had missed it. I got to be honest with you, I, there, was, there was a moment that I wasn't necessarily looking forward to traveling all these hours and having 20-something kids in the house, and I was looking forward selfishly to some rest and some peace and quiet. That does not happen with 13 children, by the way, who are family in the house. just want you to know that. And I think the enemy began to weasel his way in and tempt me to miss it. Sneak in with ingratitude. And begin to get a mindset in me that, no, this isn't going to be as good as I want it to be. And, and man, seeing the family, this will be all right. You know, so you, get, you get like the fear of the in-laws. Some of you guys are like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. Some of you guys were dreading the holiday. Because maybe we've been ungrateful for the people and the gifts around us. The abundance. We looked at it and we said we only have five loaves and two fish. This is all we've got. 
And Jesus says, it would be enough if you could pair it with gratitude and you could lift it up to God and say, thank you for it. It would be enough if we changed our mindset and said, God, thank you for what I do have. I know it's not much, but in your hands, it's everything. And you could break that thing and multiply it and bless those around me, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I want to speak to those that maybe have fallen into the ingratitude trap, if you will. I actually call it the Israelite condition, okay? I call it the Israelite condition because if you study the, the Jews in the Old Testament, it is amazing to watch the Israelites walk with God as God rescues them from Egypt, the, the great exodus, right? What an amazing story, by the way. If you need some reading, go read the Old Testament where the, where the Jews are walking out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. It's incredible. God shows up in power so many times for these people, providing them, protecting them, leading them. And then they get to this moment where, where they're out in the desert, they're, they're in the wilderness. They're free, by the way, that's important to remember. They've been free. But they're like, hey, we're running out of food out here. We're running out of food. It's getting a little scarce. And God hears their cry and begins to provide a miracle bread from heaven called manna. You guys know the story? Think of like the best warm cornbread you've ever had with like butter and honey all over it. That's what they kind of described. You're like, some of you just got hungry real quick there. Anyone cornbread fans in the room? That is like my jam. Oh man, some sweet cornbread. Yikes. These pants are fitting a little tighter just now, all right? They, they compare it to you. You hear uh, as God first delivers this, and it was a daily delivery, by the way, a heavenly delivery. They would put their head on the pillow. They would wake up in the morning, and heavenly manna, this heavenly bread, right at their doorstep. And at first, you, you should hear the reviews, right? Man, the, the reviews on Yelp and Google about manna, they, they were like raving about the stuff. They're like, it's the greatest. It's so sweet and fluffy, and it tastes like honey, and it's incredible, but it's not just a few months later that they're wandering in the wilderness and the Israelite condition sets in. God is providing in miraculous ways, protecting in miraculous ways, heavenly cornbread showing up daily. And the people somehow always become ungrateful and they begin to grumble. Let's pick up the story. This is Numbers 11. It says, the rabble with them. I love that. <laughs> the rabble. I never want to be called rabble, by the way. But the rabble with them began to crave other food. Listen to this so closely, church. If you, if you don't get anything, listen to what they're saying. And again, the Israelites start wailing. And they said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish that we ate in Egypt at no cost. Yikes. I'll go back to that in just a second. Also, the cucumbers and melons and leeks, onions and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Ungrateful. Unthankful. Here's what I want you to see, church. An unthankful and ungrateful heart can make us think and believe things that are so irrational. The Israelites go... We don't have any meat. Remember what it was like in Egypt? We ate fish at no cost. Is that true? Absolutely not. That free fish that they were eating was costing them their freedom. They're in bondage. 
And they start thinking to themselves, they forget the heavenly provision, and they're like, man, we had it pretty good in slavery. Yikes. Ingratitude can make you think some pretty crazy, irrational things. And gratitude found their way into their heart very quickly. And they thought, man, wasn't it better being a slave? Remember this too, church. The manna was actually free bread. In their freedom, they're free of Egypt. They're walking in freedom already with free bread, heading to their promised land, to their Florida. (laughs) Free bread in their freedom, walking to their promised land. Wow, abundance, they had a lot. But ingratitude weaseled its way in. And they go, look at this. The only thing we have to eat is this manna, this heavenly bread that gets delivered each day. We don't do anything for it. Oh, this manna, they're disgusted. Here's the warning, church. I got two warnings for you real quick. Ingratitude always leads us back into bondage. Ingratitude, that mindset will always lead you back into bondage. You're like, Josh, no, 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 they were still free. Were they free in their heart and their mind, though? No. It was a different type of bondage. They were free, yeah, physically. They were still bound here and here. And the Bible says a man thinks in his heart so he, so he is, or so he becomes. They were still in bondage here and here because they weren't grateful. It's, it's important, church. It's a matter of your freedom, I believe. If we're going to lean in and be thankful and grateful people, here's the second warning. Look at verse six again. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Here's the warning. Ingratitude can make miracles seem mundane. Good Lord. How many of you would say in your life, I've got miracles all around me. If I stop and I begin to thank God for the things that are around me, I see miracles constantly. You should see his provision in my life. I could sit with you and hear story and testimony, I'm sure, of how God has shown up in miraculous ways. The Israelites are in this condition, and they're hungry, and God goes, man, I hear your cry. I want to be your provider. I'm delivering sweet, heavenly cornbread to you each day, the manna from heaven. And they're like, oh, after a while, the only thing I see is this manna. They begin to have disdain for the miracle. The miracle feels mundane to them. Oh, church, would it, would it be our prayer today that we would never, ever have miracles become mundane? Could we live in a place of gratitude and thanksgiving? But you're like, Joshua, you know, it's easy to get judgy of the Israelites, isn't it? Be careful that you're not so quick to judge them because maybe we've said things like this in our own heart. That wasn't it better, like, I mean, before I was married and had all this responsibility and this ball and chain and these kids and, and gratitude slips in real quick. Some of us have maybe thought, man, wasn't it easier before I was following God and, and I had to like live right? It was so much easier just doing my own thing and, and, and living however I wanted to and no rules, no regulations. It was my truth. Wasn't it easier before I followed God? And we let ingratitude slip in and we find ourselves to be in a bondage mentally and heart-wise because we've let ingratitude slip in and we have forgotten God in the midst of it. And it's exactly what God has warned the Israelites of in Deuteronomy. He speaks to this. 
He says, I was, I was, I knew that the tendency that you have as a sinful human being, I know the tendency, Israelites, if I'm going to feed you, I'm going to clothe you, I'm going to make sure that everything's taken care of, protect you, provide for you, walk you through this land. He says, there's a warning that I had for you. This is Deuteronomy 8. He says, I, I'm worried that you're going to actually forget about me in the process. The one who's provided, the one who's protected, the one who's watched over. He goes, I'm just, I'm worried that you're going to look at all the blessing around you and you'll eventually let ingratitude slip in and forget that it's all from me. All the protection, all the provision, all the things that you've enjoyed, it's all from me. But eventually you'd let that spirit slip in of ingratitude. And you'd forget that it's me all along that's been your provider, your protector, your sustainer. So some of you are like, Joshua, the question remains, how do I remain in gratitude? How do I live a lifestyle of gratitude, of being grateful for these things? And I'm glad that you asked because I, I believe it is difficult. Because we have this sin nature at work inside of us constantly pulling us away from gratitude. Have you noticed it's, it's kind of hard to stay in that mindset? You flip on the news, you throw on social media, and very, very quickly you can become ungrateful. Ads are popping up at you constantly. The ads that they're throwing in your face all the time. They're like, man, you need this. You want this. You desire this. You must have this. It's the next greatest thing. Or maybe you see people's lives on there that you're like, man, I wish I had their life. I wish I had their spouse. I wish I had that house. Constantly bombarding us. It is hard in our day and age. I get it. But what was so fascinating, as I was actually studying this, everywhere that I would read about gratitude, you know what words would pop up continually as I was searching this? Would be discipline, would be routine, and would be practice. That this is not a natural thing for us as sinful human beings. We are constantly wanting more. I've heard this said, we're all addicts. Some of us just hide it better than others. Constantly wanting more. Constantly needing. So when I have a Thanksgiving mindset on Thursday, I can so quickly switch to a Black Friday mindset on Friday and say, no, I thought I had enough, but I don't have enough. I was grateful for a moment, but it's really quickly to slip into ingratitude. But I think there's four things, church, that we can begin to do, and I'm going to quickly go through these. Four things that we can begin to put into practice that can keep us in a lifestyle and a mindset of gratitude continually that pulls us away from that sinful nature and begins to align our hearts with God. The first is this, if you're taking notes, remember daily what you have been rescued from. The Israelites really quickly forgot what they had been rescued from. That their brothers and sisters were dying at the hands of the Egyptians. That slavery was their norm. That bondage. And they so quickly forget what they had been rescued from. Or maybe you can jot this down. Remind yourself daily what you've been rescued from. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a habit of, of grabbing a journal, a little gratitude journal. These are becoming super popular where people, before they go to bed at night, they are jotting down the things that they're thankful for. I've gone through seasons of ingratitude in my life, and I'm so thankful for a wife who is more spiritual than me because my wife, Bree, she'll be like, babe, she would stop me and be like, tell me 10 things you're thankful for. I felt like a kid sometimes. I'd be like, no, I don't want to. No. Not thankful. I want to be Ungrateful, because it feels good for a minute, right? Misery loves company. You know what was crazy? Each time after 10 things of being, you know, repeating those things out loud, naming those things, my heart began to change each time. 
And I realized, you know what, I don't have it that bad. I actually got it really good. I have a lot, and more importantly, I have a lot to be thankful for. I think you'll find the same to be true. Here's the second thing we've been practicing. It goes right along with what I just said. Name your blessings one by one. We heard that cute song as we grew up in church. Count your many blessings, sing them one by one, right? Name them one by one. Count your many blessings and see what God has done. We learned that as kids. Why? They were trying to teach us at a young age to be grateful and thankful for the things that we have. Man, nothing frustrates me more than when I feel like I've just blessed my kids, like blessed the pants off of them, man. I'm just blessing them. I love to bless my kids. And then a day later, they're like, Papa, can I have more? Give me more. The toy's not enough anymore. The to- they're not even playing with the thing that I just got them. Do your kids play with random stuff too? You buy them the coolest toy and then all of a sudden they're out in the yard with a stick and it becomes their favorite toy. You're like, why am I even blowing this money anyway? You guys play with sticks and trash. Like, come on. Name your blessings one by one. Charles Dickens said this, reflect upon your present blessings of which every man has many, not your past misfortunes of which men have some. I love that. Reflect upon your present blessings of which every man has many, not on your past misfortunes of which all men have some. How many of you in the, in the room could admit or over at Boynton in the church at home, you're blessed. You've been so blessed. Well, that's good because the third thing might be hard. <laughs> the third thing might be hard then. Here's what we can begin to put into practice. Maybe daily, begin to bless others with your blessings. Take what you have and give it away. I had a mentor always, uh, he reminded me of this constantly about spiritual gifts or any sort of gift that God gives you. He said, Josh, gifts are always meant to be given. Gifts are always meant to be given. The things that I have been given, they are always meant to be given through me. Does that make sense? And how many of you know it's better to give than receive? Begin to bless others with your blessing. Here's what I want to challenge you with, though, too, because I I want to encourage you in this. Some of you have been blessed a lot. You've been blessed a ton. You've got a lot. I remember coming off the mission field. This was a big thing for me and my wife. We had spent years on the mission field, been going all over the third world, seeing a lot of crazy stuff, seeing people who had, like, literally nothing, kids playing in, in slums on top of burning trash heaps, and they were the happiest kids in the world. It was so humbling constantly. And then I go back to America, and I just saw the abundance that we have. And here's the first thought that began to creep in, and I really believe that the enemy wanted me to believe this. Josh, you need to feel guilty for the things that you have. Guilt is not from the Lord, by the way. Conviction is, guilt is not. So I began to feel guilty, and I was so thankful. I stumbled upon an old Andy Stanley message, and he preached on this very thing about when we've been given so much. So many people fall into the guilt trap. You're like, man, I just begin to beat myself up and feel guilty. No, no, no. He says, would you be grateful and generous? That's how you combat that. That feeling of guilt, and man, I've been given a lot. Well, great. Be grateful for it, and then be generous with it. You've been given gifts to give through you. We're coming up on our end of the year, right? Kingdom offering. What what, what are we going to give through us? What gifts have we been given? Maybe some of you are like, man, I'm not like financially doing great right now. What is he calling you to do and serve in those initiatives that we've been talking about? What has he been calling you to do to jump in on on a dream team and begin to serve here? Whatever you have. Have a Peter and John mentality. Remember when Peter and John are going to the temple? 
and they're going to praise God and they're going, they're going to worship and there's the, the beggar on the side of the road and he's begging for money and they're like, hey, we don't got any money. We're all out, but what we do have, we'll give. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. They had healing, they had their time, they had their presence, they had their faith that they could give that man. Maybe God's calling you, whatever you have, whatever blessing you have, begin to use it to bless others. Here's the fourth thing and we're gonna end. Realize that gratitude opens our lives to God's presence. Psalms 100, verse four. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. When I begin to be thankful, it opens that gateway into God's presence to invade my life. And I'm telling you what, in his presence, the word of God says is fullness of joy. There's contentment, there's peace, there's hope. There's provision, there's protection, all of that inside of God's presence. And here's what, here's what's on the line, church, too. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this. The Apostle Paul writing to the church of Thessalonica, he says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How many of you want to be in God's will? You're like, man, I want to be in God's will. I want to know what that is. I remember hearing that as a kid, like we, we talked about in our church, like the center of God's will. I'm like, wait, how do you get to the center of it? Like, where is, is there some sort of bullseye to hit? And no, no, Paul's like, hey, hey, just be thankful. That's God's will for you. Be thankful and grateful for what you have. Church, I want to pray for us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes over at Boynton Church at home? Maybe in this moment, we can just pause. Maybe if you missed it on Thanksgiving, maybe if you let ingratitude slip in, you let the in-laws drive you crazy, you let the kids set you off a little bit, you were frustrated at talking about politics, you were bitter at that family member. I don't know what it was, but maybe it knocked you off of gratitude a little bit and you let that slip in, the ingratitude. And you just want to end this moment just repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. And I want to turn away from ingratitude in my life. I want to turn towards a heart that would be replete. It would be so full, overflowing with thankfulness for all that you've done. Maybe in this quietness of this moment, you would just take a second and just begin to thank God. Let his presence fall in this place right now as we enter his gates with thanksgiving. You'd realize like I did, man, we have a lot, but we have a lot to be thankful for. Let me pray. Jesus, we are so thankful, number one, that you gave yourself for us. Jesus, that you were so willing to lay down your life, to be a blessing to us, Lord. You blessed us with your life and your death and your sacrifice. God, I pray that this holiday season, we would remember, God, to be people who are thankful and grateful. We wouldn't allow the enemy to come in and have this Black Friday mentality that, that no, we don't have enough and we just need more and we need more and more and more and more. But we would rest in a thankful and grateful posture. Lord, change our hearts today if we need that in this room, if we have slipped into that place of ingratitude, Maybe like the rabble that we saw in Numbers 11, 
we just begin to complain and we've been wailing for too long. God, I pray that you would change that tune. We would praise you. We would thank you for all that you've done, all that you have done, and all that you will do. And we pray that in the beautiful name of Jesus and all the Journey Church said, amen. Bless you, church. Love you guys.